So one of the things I've thought about, first of all, I remember that when Barbara was ordained, Reverend Burton Carley, who used to be the minister of this church and then for 16 years was minister of Church of the River in Memphis, and he said every minister's really got one sermon and, you know, they preach it over and over and over again in one way or another, and, and sooner or later maybe people listen. And, and, and I have said before with my fellow religious educators that every, every DRE has got one newsletter column, <laughs> you know, and we write it over and over again. And so if you had a chance to see the newsletter this month, um, a, lot of, a lot of this is, is in my newsletter column, but not all of it. So you'll actually um, um, hear some stuff that... That, that you won't read in the newsletter, but this is this is once a, a reiteration of my perpetual newsletter column. So every week in our church services, I talked about earlier, we talk about covenant. Covenant is what unites us, whether it's a class or our board or a committee, or a congregation or our association of congregations. Our principles are a covenant. And as we learned in the story earlier, this tradition comes down to us from our earliest American Congregationalist forebears who had meetings that were really, would have been illegal in England because they weren't supposed to just be deciding any of that stuff for themselves. But far from home and establishing this new church, they were much more concerned with their relationships with each other than with the finer points of theology. And not to be confused, we love the finer points of theology. We'll talk about that stuff all day. But it's different for each one of us, and we find that, as my husband would say, to be a feature and not a bug. And, um, and, and so we, our covenant is what unites us. Our covenant is the thing that holds us in common. And we define it as something more than rules, something greater than a mere agreement. We reach back even to the biblical connotations as a sacred agreement, often invoking the spirit of life as each one of us understands it to be present in those connections. When we teach our children about covenant, we use the word promises. Our covenant consists of the sacred promises that we make to each other about how we will be together. A covenant is not mushy or pie in the sky. It's not just about right relations and good behavior, although it is certainly about that. But it's also the framework within we work out our own individual faith journeys. We need the mirrors of community to challenge us, to show ourselves to ourselves, to reflect back and help us hone and strengthen what is ours. If you look in your order of service, you have a little insert that was designed by a colleague of mine, Joy Berry. And she took the stages of faith. There's a theologian, James Fowler, who's come up with stages of faith, and I'm going to do like a flash minute on those because this is a Fowler's another whole, another whole sermon, really. But he talked about faith for the young as being caught, taught, bought, and sought. Caught in that a baby knows that love of the mother and father, or the mothers or fathers, knows that love in the family, and yes, we can be duly outraged at the number of children on our shores right now that are not able to know that. Um, but that's like that's the first stage, is that you know, the universe is a safe place. The world is a safe place for me. Um, and the second stage, they're taught. They learn from their parents, learn from religious educators. Um, rules and, and commandments and all of those kinds of things become important. Speed limits become important. If you've ever um, driven with an elementary age child, they'll be very quick to point out you know, the, the speed limit. 
And then, but, in adolescence, the youth is going to start to buy in, going to start to have um, a religious identity. This is stage three. And, and this is what we are, and this is what they are. And there are a lot of people that stay right there at that stage, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I know a lot of people with a, with a stage three kind of faith who are doing wonderful things in this world. Um, it can also have negative consequences that the us and them can become us good, them bad. And that part, you know, it's not so good. But that sense of identity is a really healthy and important part of development as long as it, you know, develops. Um, and then stage four, faith is sought. The, um, the adolescent or the young adult is seeking, seeking something, something more, maybe either, either turning away, a lot of times turning away from what's been taught before, or finding a new place within the faith tradition um, that they've been raised. And I see more of that um, with the, some of the young adults that I know who've grown up in the Unitarian Universalist tradition, not all. Um, so they're a seeker, they're asking questions. Um, a lot of youths get stuck right there at that stage four, where I'm gonna reject everything, but there's a stage five, it's not on the paper, but it's about reclaiming, reclaiming what was meaningful, reclaiming it in a new context, not so much shunning it, not saying, no, I don't want anything to do with that, but understanding that it can be reclaimed or that you can universalize faith, that you can, you can get some meaning out of everything um, that's, that's said to you from different faith perspectives. There is a stage six that is pretty much the bodhisattva, you know, that not, not many of us get there. My husband used to say he had an idea for a t-shirt that would say, Fowler stage six, ask me, which would kind of, you know, be, be the opposite of that. But what my friend Joy says is missing from all of us is that faith is wrought, that it, like wrought iron, you know, that it's hot and it's shaped and it's molded. And where it is wrought is in community, with each other. We've put so much emphasis on the individual over the years. And this community, this covenant within which we work out our own faith is a really important part of that development. And, and it's, a, it's an ongoing stage that spans all the others where we mold and shape our faith on the anvil of community and in the fire of love. But I said, that someday the day will come when the church will break your heart. Perhaps your heart will break because ours is a living tradition and change is inevitable and sometimes we're not ready for that change. Sometimes, particularly for members of long-standing, we may feel a sadness that the church is not our personal perpetual church museum. I'll be honest, I get that feeling when I go back to a Catholic Mass. Like, no, you were supposed to stay like that, you know, so that I could come back and, and, and be here. Um, but I understand that everything changes. Um, and sometimes the church will be too reticent in taking a public stand on an issue that's important to you. When we went through our first attempt at welcoming congregation, I think a lot of people felt that way. And sometimes the church may take too strong a stand on an issue with which you disagree. And sometimes your heart will break because humans have behaved badly. It happens. Covenants are made by human beings in all their flawed and beautiful brokenness, and covenants, too, are broken, and sometimes in the most painful ways. And I know you're thinking right now, what happened? Why was she preaching this today? So I just want to tell you, this is not about anything that's happened recently. 
I mean, if you feel like it's happening to you, I want to hear about it. But, but honestly, this has been a sermon that's been kind of writing itself over the years. And I thought recently in talking to some of my peers uh, at General Assembly that this is something we ought to say up front. We ought to prepare you. Some, uh, some of you who have become members have gone through the new member process and have heard how we came to the Stepping Stones book, which is the first book that you sign before you actually sign the membership book. And we ask that you wait 30 days and that you learn more about the faith, that you talk to me, talk to Reverend Barbara, talk to Ron, and just hang out with us, get a feel for us, read about Unitarian Universalism. And the reason for that is that for years, people would come here for the first time and say, oh my God, I have found the church of me. I have found it, this is it, this is the church of me, I love it. And then often, like maybe the very next week, either the sermon didn't fit the dogma of the church of me, or um, the bed of me called more loudly than the church of me, you know. Um, so, so we ask people to go through a period of discernment as they become members to see, is this... And we, it, and we want you here. We want you here, but we want you to want to be here. And we have found some of our most steadfast members have taken the longest to make that commitment. And we say, you can do it within 30 days, but it doesn't have to be 30 days. It can be six months, a year, whatever. And take that time you need to discern. And if covenants are broken. The heartbreak is unquestionably real and most painful because of all that you expected when you became part of the church. First of all, it's a church. And second of all, you were home. You were with people who got you. So how could this happen? But has no one at home ever broken your heart? But I did promise you a joyful message, and I have one. We want newcomers to come a few times, to get to know us, to participate in a process very much like the dead of churchgoers of long ago, building relationships and learning how we are together. When we take the time to know each other, when we make the effort to build that foundation and stand together on our common ground, we are more able to resolve and even celebrate our differences in a healthy way. And over the years, this congregation has become much healthier in the way that it works through things. Um, the joy and treasure of what we have here is that very thing. And when we can practice it and possibly even model it, then we have an incredible gift that we can offer the wider world. So just as you practice discernment and decide to become a member here, should the day arise, I recommend to you, should the day arise when your heart breaks, I recommend to you that it is equally vitally important to include that discernment in any decision to walk away or to step back. Whether your heart was broken by the words or actions of a single member or by a particular service or program or decision of the board, we have people and processes in place to return us to right relation. 
We've experienced this as a denomination in the past year. We're so proud of our civil rights history, and yet we've had to come to terms with some very real institutional racism that affected hiring decisions and brought to the surface some difficult truths of the pervasiveness of white supremacy culture that we now endeavor to face and dismantle. As James Baldwin said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. And so we want you to hang in with us. We want you to hang in there with us and we can face whatever it is. And like I said, I promise, there's no specific thing <laughs> right now. But whatever it is, we can face it together. Let the heart that led you here remind you of why you came and lead you back into a new and stronger relationship with this community, eyes open to the beauty of all our imperfections. For when we fall short of these, our lofty promises, love will call us back. Love will call us back. Wait.